Mark chapter 12, enough fun. Jesus is speaking in Mark chapter 12, beginning verse 1. And as usual, he's speaking in parables. Now, I really wanted to entitle this, uh, God's Word, A Mirror for Our Souls. Okay, Because really, Jesus is using this parable to show the religious leaders how God sees them. We could say it how God sees us if we're not careful. And so let's just begin. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant and At him they threw stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not heard this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for all you do for us. I pray you'll make your word come alive tonight and teach us from it and help us to grow. Let it sink deep within our hearts and minds, Lord, that we'll be the people that you want us to be and we'll grow the way you want us to grow and we'll be fruitful for you. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I saw a little skit, just a little show, and it was on authority. And... uh, it started out, this guy dressed as a policeman walked up. He walks up, and he looks at the crime scene, he puffs out, this is mine. And about that time, county sheriff comes in the other door. He walks up and says, oh no, I'm in charge. And about that time, somebody with a big FBI shirt came in and said, no, no, I'm the one in charge. And I don't know where they got it, but then somebody else had one that said national security. And he walked in and said, I got you to know I'm in charge. And they began to argue and fuss and about who had what and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it was a question of authority. When you read these words here, to get the context, you had to read the last part of chapter 11. Because in chapter 11, they ask him, by, by whose authority do you do these things? And he asked them a question, was John from God or not? And they said, we don't know. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you either. His question, his authority was being questioned. And so he's going to turn the parable to help them see themselves. 
See, when it comes to authority, all of us, whether we want to admit it or not, have an authority in our lives. Somebody, no matter how we look, are, we look to or something that does. Some people are their own authorities. But you see, for a Christian, God and his word is supposed to be our absolute authority for life and godliness. God and his word is to be our authority. And some people tell me, well, I don't believe the Bible, and I don't care. I'm still going to share the word of God. It's active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So don't argue with people out of ignorance. Just quote some scripture and pray the Holy Spirit lets it sink in and leave them alone. And so I see two or three things about the authority here as Jesus tells this parable. The first thing I see in verses 1 through 5 is the rebellion. The rebellion. He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a place for the wine vat, built a tower, he leased it to vine dressers and went to a far country in vintage time. He sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away with empty handed. Again, he sent another servant and at him they threw stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully. And again, he sent another and him they killed and many others beating some and killing some. You see, Jesus uses the parable to teach the religious leaders what's wrong with their religion. You see, if you look at it, this parable resembles what we find in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, if you're taking notes. Isaiah said this in one of his sermons, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a tower in its midst and made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could I have been done for my vineyard that I have not done for it? Why then, when I expected to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And let me please tell you what I will do. I'll take away its hedge. It shall be burned. I'll break down its wall. It'll be trampled. I'll lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug. There'll come up thorns and briars. I'll command the clouds, and they rain no rain on it. So the vine stood for the people of Israel. The vineyard is their nation. You see, the practice in that day seems a little strange to us, but in that day, a wealthy person would often buy a track of land. He would have it cleared, dig up uh, to the good soil. They would plant uh, the grapevines there, and it would be really, really good vines. And then they would have a, a wall around it to protect it, so to keep the wild animals out and keep people who shouldn't be in there damaging it, damaging it. They would build a watchtower to watch over it. They would have a way for it to be watered. They would, they would do everything they could for the vineyard to be successful. But then they wouldn't stay there. Oftentimes they would be from uh, have another summer home or something in a foreign country or had business in another country. And they would leave it and they would rent it out to the vine dressers. And they rented it out, but the rent was what it produced. It was sort of like share copying except that instead of the, the guy who owns it getting most of it, the vine dressers got most of it, and 
the vineyard owner got just a percentage of it, maybe 20 to 30 percent, maybe more, according to what they settled on. You see, the problem was this. These tenants, these guys who rented it, it wasn't theirs, but they rented it, and the guy was gone a long time. They usurped their authority. They rebelled against the owner's authority. Now, here's what I think happened. They'd been in charge without any supervision. They'd done it their way, and they liked it that way. And when the servant comes and reminds them this isn't really theirs, they didn't like it. They'd worked hard for this fruit. This place was theirs. The owner hadn't shown up because it takes several years for it to start really producing good. Well, and when it came time to pay, they rebelled. The tenants are literally the religious leaders of Jesus' day. See, they've been given their ministry of the law, the ministry of God's word. They'd been given... Uh, to take care of the people, but they had turned it around to their own benefit and did things their way. Samuel Butler said of authority, he said, authority intoxicates and makes mere sots of magistrates. The fumes of it invade the brain and make men giddy, proud, and vain. See, authority is something that we need to be very careful of. See, any time we cease to be servants of the Lord and we try to rule what he's given us, we're just like the tenants. You see, we rebelled against his authority because Jesus is the head of the church and we need to remember that the church belongs to him. You see, these men took what wasn't theirs and wanted to keep it to the point of killing for it and ultimately they did. They killed Jesus to keep their own way. They were afraid the Romans would come and take away what they had. Do we understand that? You see, I've been a pastor for 30, 33 years now. And what I can tell you about is this. Most Baptist churches are the same. You have good people that sometimes get hurt or get sidetracked or something else. And if they're not careful, the church becomes theirs. I've heard it in all kinds of ways. I've heard, that's my Sunday school class. You can't take it. Hmm. I didn't see your name on the deed to the church. That's my Sunday school teacher. You can't split our class. Hmm. I thought he was supposed to be God's Sunday school teacher. I got in a lot of trouble when I was younger, if you didn't tell uh, and on and on and on it went. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. You've had that same class for a long time. My wisdom says leave you alone. You've had that same teacher for a long time. Keep them. Just don't get in the way if somebody wants to start a new class or a new ministry. See, we're not in competition. We're supposed to be helping one another in the kingdom of God. And, and any time... That we get mad when other folks do this. We're just like the vine dressers, the tenants. <gasps> no, I wouldn't do that. But we are when we say God doesn't have the authority to tell somebody else to do this or do that. He'll do it my way. No. God will do it his way. It's his church. 
It's his ministry. And so what do we need to do? You see, I think we need to pray for everyone in positions of authority. Start by praying for those men that have families. They need to use their authority spiritually in a godly way. Amen. Okay. Uh, Pray for those people at work who are bosses. You know, everybody wants to be a boss till they become one, and then they find out it isn't near as glamorous as what they thought it would be. Amen. Pray for those who are heads of our schools. Pray for those who have different leadership positions in our church. Pray for those who are supposed to be leading our government that they'll quit sniping one another and fighting one another and actually do something for the people they're supposed to represent. See, I don't condemn anybody for what happens in Baptist churches because I'm not there. I found out that sometimes pastors make mistakes a lot of times. And when they make the mistakes, rather than owning up to it, they often get mad, and then the fight begins. But I have decided that some folks, not many, but if you really do believe the church belongs to them and their family, and that is not biblical. Let's go on. See, that was the parable, and that that was what Jesus is trying to tell them, that they're rebelling against God Almighty. They're rebelling against the only Son. What's the result? You see, the picture here is he sends the first servant, and they basically beat him up and send him away into Hammond. The next one comes, and they actually try to stone him, and, and they throw him out. And the next one comes, and they kill him and throw him out of the vineyard. And then some they... they Uh, beat, some they kill, until God says they're not recognizing the proper authority. Now, God had a perception on this. You see, he said, I'm going to send my only well-loved son. Him they will respect. He has my authority. But did you notice how evil the tenants were? They didn't think, oh, there's the son. We better straighten up. They thought, oh, there's the son. Either the owner has died or is incapacitated. He wouldn't have sent the son. He would have come himself. So we're going to kill the son, and then we got this. This is ours. We receive the inheritance. Notice the product in verse 9. They kill the son. They cast him out of the vineyard in verse 8. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. See, when we refuse God's authority, we won't submit to Christ's claims upon our lives. The result is always the same, judgment. They thought they'd just do it and no big deal. God's dead. God doesn't care. God does care. You see... Any time that I as a pastor misuse or usurp a proper authority or somebody else in the church, it's a sin. Any time we decide that we've served enough, we'd rather be waited on, it's a sin. You see, 
it's at that point that God says, okay, I'll set you on a shelf, and you don't get to use your gift of service. That's an awful situation to be in. But that was the result that Jesus said was going to happen. And so what's the rule? Look at verses 10 through 12. Again, uh, he is quoting Psalm 118. Let me give you the right reference. Verse 22 in this. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him. But feared the multitudes. For they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. See the rule is basically that God has the authority and we need to recognize it and accept it. Now I'm going to spell it out a little bit differently. God's the one who has authority whether we recognize it or not. That's why when Paul in Philippians says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. You better do it while you willingly do it because there's coming a day when you're not going to have a choice. The power of God is going to seize those who blaspheme the precious name of Jesus and they too shall confess, but it'll be everlastingly too late. The point that Jesus is making is that he is the cornerstone. He's the one they're rejecting. Okay? The story was told about building the temple. Now, we don't know, but since it's quoted in Scripture, I think we do know that as they were laying the foundation of the temple, they couldn't find the proper cornerstone, and they kept trying different stones. And the one that they had rejected that the very first became the chief cornerstone. And once they had that, then they could erect the rest of the temple. And so it became marvelous in their eyes that what they thought would not work, God worked. And Jesus said, I am the one that's going to work. I am the one that's going to die on the cross. I am the one that's going to enable you to have forgiveness of sin. But you are rejecting me. Because you're rejecting God's authority. You see, that last verse, these people knew exactly who Jesus was talking about. That they were the tenants and he was the son. And yet they still rejected him and ultimately betrayed him and ultimately condemned him to death and brought him before Pilate and forced the hand so that he was executed. But we need to remember Jesus' words when he said, I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to take it back up. My Father has given me this authority. You see, was Jesus mistreated horribly? Was it awful and illegal what they did to him? It was. But remember, God has the authority, and it was in his pre-plan before anything was made, that the Lamb of God would die for our sins. And how he arranged it was rather miraculous at the right time and the right way. And all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled were truly amazing. But we as his people always need to check, am I submitting to God's authority in my life? 
Have I surrendered what he told me to surrender? Have I obeyed what he told me to obey? Am I being the servant he has called me to be? And I hope all of us examine our hearts in the light of this parable and answer that question, yes, I am. Let's pray. Father, we're going to have our invitation time now. Father, let us just do your will. If we need to come just in simple rededication, let us do that. If we need to come accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, give us the courage to do that. If we need to come joining this church by baptism or letter or statement, let us do that, Lord. If we need to come and pray for others that are hurting and sick and afflicted and maybe some that have dropped out because they are ceasing to recognize your authority in their life, then let us do that. But whatever we do, Lord, we do it humbly at the foot of the cross, thanking you for saving us from our sins. Let Jesus be lifted up. Let him be glorified. In Christ's name I pray.